It's the Between You and Me podcast for KEXE. I'm Heidi Holton, Director of Content and Public Affairs, joined in the studio by Chelsea Perkins, our news director. Hello, Heidi. Hi. So we are here to talk about one of the stories that stood out to us on the morning show, having to do with a lakeshore Brainerd area native who had written a book that John Latimer, she, he knew her and was so intrigued by the book. So we had her on the morning show. And right away when you told me about it, I was intrigued as well because it's a topic that I actually didn't really even know anything about when I was a kid. It wasn't until I moved back as an adult that I found out about this. And it's the mining disaster that occurred in Crosby in 1924, I believe was the year. It's the worst mining disaster in Minnesota history. And it happened in our backyard. Part of the conversation we had, the author, I think you have the book over there. (laughs) Jenny Robertson. That's right. So Jenny, you know, has Finnish roots and, you know, kind of wanted to kind of look into that because it's it's kind of an interesting history of the Finns in Minnesota connected to the mines, to, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And so she was expecting, you know, that she could talk to her grandparent, her grandfather and find out all this information. And she was surprised how... They did not want to talk <laughs> because of the at the time when you're a new immigrant to the United States, you are trying to be American and that is it. Yeah. And it's it's hard to even like place myself in that time period um, in our area to think about the fact that there were a lot of people who were freshly immigrated from <laughs> from Europe, you know, and, and a lot of those people were working in the mines. If you're not familiar with the Crosby area. It was a huge iron mining area for decades. And all of and those mines were underground mines. So they had mine shafts and they had, you know, very deep down in the ground and they had to pump out the groundwater constantly because of how high or close to the surface the groundwater is in that area. If you go there now, that whole area has been transformed into the Cuyuna Mountain Biking Recreation Area. That wasn't the correct name of it, but you get the gist. (laughs) And all of those lakes in there used to be mine pits. The reason that they're lakes now is because they quit pumping out the groundwater and the groundwater just filled up those pits. and Mm -hmm. And it's some of the most beautiful color of water that you will ever see in so those mine clear. pits. Yeah, and such interesting things happening there and also on the Iron Range in these places. Like if you if you drive up the Iron Range and you see, it's like we have these rust mountains. It's right. so interesting. And, you know, I just did an interview recently with uh, the new leader of the IRRR and she talked about, you know, there's a whole push now for the film industry in on the Iron Range and in Duluth. And part of it is the landscape. Right. And and the old mining homes and all of these things in these small mining towns. Um, such an interesting, you know, history. But then what do you do with that? How do you change the trajectory and use that instead of thinking of it as waste or overburden? Well, and another example of that, too, is that Crow and County 
turned that the area where the mining disaster occurred, which was due to the flooding. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how it happened was that these mine shafts flooded and they couldn't get out fast enough. 41 miners. 41. And that whole area is a park now. So you can walk through. There's these beautiful boardwalks that cross um, some marshy areas and the actual site itself of the disaster you can you can come right up to it there's signage there remembering the people there's there's people who are relatives of those folks that were there when the when Mm -hmm. the park opened which was pretty incredible i mean it's a century ago now yeah um well and i you know as i was i was trying to remember in talking to the commissioner ida rukavina one thing she said i mean i you know, we know that there's still a lot of iron ore and taconite mined, you know, on the iron range, but it's a different, you know, it's a different era and there's not as many, it's still some of the best jobs you can get, but not as much, not as many jobs are needed because things are mechanized and it's just a different world. But she was so proud to say that we are still, 85% of the steel in the, in the world is still produced here on That's the iron range. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. It's always interesting when someone's kind of, she she no longer, Jenny Robertson, this author that you're going to hear this interview with, she doesn't live in Minnesota anymore, but, you know, she, she, it sounds like she realized all of this was part of her and it needed to come out. It's in, I mean, maybe everyone feels this way wherever they live, and maybe that's true, but I do feel like there's something exceptional about where we live and it just gets into you. Mm-hmm. somehow in a way that it never leaves you really. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up in Brainerd and did not know the iron range much at all. I don't remember. I knew my grandmother had grown up near here and we would go visit her relatives in Jacobson, Minnesota. I didn't really think about it until, you know, I moved back to same, same story, moved back to Brainerd and then ended up finding KXE and making my career here. I live like 25 miles from where my grandmother and her Finnish immigrant parents grew, you know, homesteaded. I would have never thought that that would be my life trajectory and that I would be interested in that or that it would mean something to me because my grandparents, my great grandparents were like so many people that live here. They, they both, they came to mine, you know, they were in the mining industry, then they were loggers and then they homesteaded a farm. You know, and that's kind of the story of the people here, this connection to industry and labor and land and really interesting. Plus the Finns. The Finns, I, to me, are still just fascinating. As as we, you'll hear in the interview, I told Jenny because she's talking about, you know, I think she's regretful that she didn't get enough information from her grandfather. And I said, my grandma was like that too. You know, she taught me some Finnish that was kind of fun and but she didn't she didn't know a lot of the Finnish language because they weren't really allowed to speak it. All right, let's hear some Finnish, Heidi. Zucchini Yahulet Tuskun. Okay, one more time. Zucchini Yahulet Tuskun. And what does that mean? Shut your mouth and put your lips in your pocket. <laughs> Isn't that one of the best things ever? It is. I love zucchini is in there too i know i probably don't say it right it's supposed to be less like zucchini but when i was a little kid remembering it i would just think of the right zucchini but it was zucchini i think is more like it but yeah there's so many stories and connections and uh my grandma aina was just so important to me so that was part of what i really loved about this connection i also want to give you a little background on this so john latimer lived with jenny robertson's parents when he was in school 
And so he knew her as a baby. Wow, this is the connection here, which is crazy. And so, and then also John Latimer, I mean, we all know how much we love John Latimer and he's the Pied Piper of nature and anyone will follow him. And um, Does he have his own flute or something? (laughs) (laughs) He's, he, he started to cry in this interview. I don't think Jenny knew it. I don't know that listeners could hear it. But when I get to sit here with him, he's very emotional about land and about things. And so when, you know, there's a part of it where he's talking about this word, like we had to go over it as we were writing the story, the color he's talking about. um, Yes, of the rabbit flesh. Yeah. He started crying. Wow. As he read that from his notes, you know, and so just really interesting how history and nature and then this connection to this writer, connection to Lakeshore, Minnesota. I mean, just cool stuff. Very cool. Here's our conversation with Jenny Robertson, the author of Hoist House. You're listening to the Tuesday Morning Show. I'm Heidi Holton with John Latimer. Jenny Robertson has a new book out. It's called Hoist House, a novella and stories. It's been described as weaving tales of immigrant life, worker exploitation, and the tensions and dangers of growing up with the American dream. Jenny Robertson joins us now. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Hey, good morning. You all. Hear you all. Yeah, you too. Good to see you again, Jenny. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, uh, gosh, I was just blown away by your book. I had so much fun reading it. The short stories were wonderful. I I can't even imagine where those ideas came from. I, <laughs> I was just astonished. But the true joy for me, well, all the way through, I mean, even in the short stories, you, you weave in a sense of nature and a sense of phenology, which, of course, attracted me. And I just was astonished. Not only did you do it a nice job of bringing it into the story, into the stories, but you—it was topical. You knew that these things happened at this time of year, and you inserted it properly. And I was so thrilled. Yeah, where did you learn all of that? <laughs> oh, thanks so much, John. I was nervous about that, and you know, there's no no hiding. From your knowledge of that. So I figured if, <laughs> if I got tripped up, you'd be the one to find my mistakes. I don't know. I, I've been away from North Minnesota, you know, a little south of you guys near um, Pequot Lakes, Nisswa area. I've been away from there for a while. And, you know, like a lot of writers, I kind of write out of a sense of exile and longing ah. for a place that was magical to me as a child. Um, and even though my novella is set in 1923, you know, 100 years before now, I was able to lean on my memories, like really deep feelings of growing up a kid in the woods, you know, and what I loved about each season and, you know, the kind of emotional resonance and tensions of waiting for spring and, you know, fighting the the fall of winter, but then also like really enjoying it. So I don't know, a lot of it was just accessing memories. So I'm and then filling in with research, obviously. You obviously have done a great deal of research. I didn't know you were so fluent in Finnish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly am not. Um, when I started thinking about this story, I was like, oh, you know, the Finns are really interesting. I didn't realize the first communist mayor in the whole country was in Crosby, Minnesota. That was a surprise to me. It was a pretty conservative area growing up. 
Um, and my grandpa is half Finnish. So I thought, oh, I have access to this treasure trove. You know, I'll ask him all these things. And I remember asking him, so grandpa, you know, what did you eat that was finished? And he said, we ate American food like everyone else. <laughs> and then I asked him to speak a little Finnish. And one of the things he said was, Abuhusumia. I don't speak Finnish. Um, and at first that, you know, puzzled me, but then it was even more interesting. Like what happened to these wild Finns that were kind of, you know, blowing up politics and stuff to become my grandpa who really kind of towed the party line and was very proud of being a typical American. That was probably the best thing you could say to him. So <laughs> that, that kind of informed my research about Finnish stuff, but it didn't come from my grandpa because he had to drop it off. You know, you know, Jenny, I had the same experience. My grandma's uh, was full Finnish and ah. she knew some phrases, but, but also, you know, and then as she got older, she was telling me more about things like squeaky cheese and yes. moyaka <laughs> and these sorts of things. But she must've had the same kind of experience where, you know, you're here in America, her parents came from Finland and you've got to live the American dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's good to hear that because I thought, Maybe there would be a little bit more, you know, point of pride that, yes, I'm American, but I also know these things. But it's interesting that she felt more comfortable over time. Yeah. I'll have to off air tell you I do know a few Finnish swear words. So <laughs> she, did, she, did, she did have some of those. <laughs> That's the one thing my dad remembered was his grandma saying, for heaven's sakes, you naughty boy, to him a lot. That's the only Finnish he remembered. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jenny, uh, so the story, Hoist House, uh, the, the novella, uh, takes place in Crosby, and it deals with uh, a family of Finns and and their their life and the fact that the the husband and eventually the son are miners underground miners, and uh, and it's a wonderful story and it 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 uh, it sort of leads us into a catastrophe that took place in Crosby that I was not even aware of. And yeah. They, yeah, it's so interesting. Like I I grew up so close to that area and I never heard of it either. I mean, I think if you're from the actual town, I think now much has been written about it. There are a lot of retrospectives in the newspaper. The the park has more of a memorial now because it's just a flooded little lake. It'd be very beautiful lake now. Um, because you know, part of the catastrophe was they got the mine owners got greedy, dug close under a neighboring lake looking for more ore and it flooded while miners were in there. So it's, you know, it definitely is topical in terms of like worker rights, especially considering the politics of a lot of the international miners that were down there and just realized, Hey, you know, it might be good if we didn't die at 35, you know, yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'd planned on living to be at least 50. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't think the job would kill me until then. Right. I, it was a wonderful story, Jenny. And there were two parts of it that, well, there were lots of parts of it. Your writing is unbelievable. And I, I hope I've quoted this uh, correctly out of, out of the story, but you talk about, well, the younger daughter is um, p painting. Yeah. And and you talk about beets blood, beet pink, like rabbit's muscle freshly freed from its fur. Wow. That was such a powerful sentence for me because that color 
I could see. I knew that color. I was just like, oh, my God, who would have thought that? Oh, that's a huge compliment. I, you know, I'm, I started as a poet. And so, and I also really dabble with painting. So I'm a very visual writer. I want, probably I'm trying to stop time or something, you know, I want to like capture images before they escape from, you know, my view. And so it's really wonderful for me as a writer to have someone respond to something where you tried to capture that. Um, visual for people. So thank you. That's a huge compliment. Yeah, well, it doesn't end there. The The chapter Jaguar? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it was as if you were living my life because you talk about two things in that chapter that are so central to me. One is swimming and the other is skating. And skating on thin ice. Oh, my. You captured it so well. I get chills just sitting here thinking about it. I wish that I were that kind of a writer. I wish I could write the way you did. Those were tremendously evocative. Oh, thanks, John. And I think if you, I don't know, there's something about living in Minnesota that I've never been able to capture anywhere else. Those feelings are some of them that, you know, people say, oh, you liked ice skating. I'm like, I don't know. I, I It's more central to my being than it, like maybe you're thinking, you know, I just think a, a lot of us grew up really um, living in nature that way and experiencing our fullest selves, maybe, you know, that way. So I, I'm glad I captured a little bit of that. Oh my, did you ever? Yeah. And, and talk a little bit about the chapter called painter. That was so touching for me. That was really powerful. Yeah. Let me um, pull it up here. So I'm looking Please at do. We're talking with Jenny Robertson today. Her book is called Hoist House, a novella and stories. So we're, we're, Jenny is uh, searching for the, the chapter called Painter, and it's a story, well, the whole story is about a family of Finns, and this is particularly focused on the young girl. Yeah, so my narrator, she was kind of a challenge for me because um, – I often write in close third where you're able to really perspective, where you're able to really see all the thoughts of a person. And I chose to write this story from her perspective as a teenage Finnish girl um, from first person. But the problem I had was she's kind of stoic and reserved and she doesn't want to admit to a lot of things. So maybe chapter nine, the painter is one of the few times where you really see her bearing all her teenage embarrassment about noticing a boy noticing her she's in a play for the first time and um, she's always dreamt of this life on stage that's different than her normal life but when it comes to it when she's actually on the stage she's terrified and she's terrified even by this wonderful painter boy who's painting the set um, for the play just noticing her and the fact that she's visible torments her deeply so <laughs> that's kind of what that that, that chapter is about her oh, realizing she's going to have to grow into an embodied life. Yeah, it was very touching for me and and almost revelatory. I mean, it really helped me to understand that sort of a perspective, which one I didn't grow up with, of course. Right? <laughs> I, I, was, I was the painter boy. <laughs> oh, right, which I think is much more fun from my perspective anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about your short stories as well. I mean, Hoist House is by itself is a wonderful read, but the, the short stories were just 
Man, it was like playing crack the whip or something. It was. I, I I am not surprised that's your thought. I'm a little concerned that you know some of my relatives might be like, oh no, we didn't know all this was in her head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, the novella, even though it's short, um, actually every time I expanded it, I ended up compressing it. I think it's the poet in me. I wanted it to be very um, associative and just I don't know, rich but not too long. So I was working on it and kind of suffering on that for many years. Um, and to keep myself from going nuts while doing that, I would let myself write short pieces. And there's like three very short pieces, one to two pages in this collection. And then there's more traditional length stories, about 15 pages each. Um, several of these stories are kind of my nightmares. Um, <laughs> there's one about predatory guy who just wanders the woods looking for children. And, you know, I was the parent of a small child at the time. I didn't set out to write that story. It just was probably my deepest fear. Yeah. And so writing from the perspective of somebody who's um, the biggest villain I can imagine, you know, and I think I've done that several times. Um, there's a political trickster that, you know, is based on probably a million different people that I read about and get angry about in the newspapers. Um, but trying to imagine what makes them them and what makes them make their decisions is something that drives me as a writer wow well it it uh, captured me i was enthralled from the start and just had the best time the book is the hoist house a novella and stories the author is jenny robertson and jenny and i go way back and <laughs> i'm so thrilled to be able to interview you and talk to you about your wonderful writing. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, John. Thank you, Heidi. Really appreciated being here. Yeah, good to All talk right. to you, Jenny. Okay. This is the Tuesday Morning Show on KEXE. Our friend Lori's been listening in. She says her book sounds wonderful, skating and swimming. Looking it up now to buy, is there an e-version or is it only in paperback? I don't. Jen, and Jenny, Jenny's still, you're with, still us. with us. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, it's there's no e version yet, but it is pretty widely available in terms of like online. So through Barnes and Noble, through Bookshop.org, if you prefer buying from independent bookstores, um, it's you can buy through the press, Cornerstone Press, which is through the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point, um, on my website, which is JennyRobertson.com. There's just a link there that takes you to the press website, but no ebook yet. Okay. I think that's maybe in the works. <laughs> All right. Thanks, well, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. Right. Thanks for listening to the Between You and Me podcast on KAXE, made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the Citizens of Minnesota with music by Sam Milton.